You're listening to the Hard Hedge, UVA's only independent basketball podcast hosted by two guys, one of whom happens to be a fake coach. Fake coach. Get up out your seat, you can have my drink, let me see you dance. And now, here are your hosts, Mike Pittman and Phony Bennett. When the sun falls, the sun falls, then the moonlights, Happy Tuesday out there, Virginia fans. Welcome to the first in-season edition of the Hard Hedge podcast. We are thrilled to have you with us tonight. We have one of our favorite uh, guests set to join us. But first, my man, Phony Bennett. Brother, I hope you had a fantastic Thanksgiving. How's everybody doing? Doing great, man. I'm, uh, it's, this isn't the record I expected us to have at this point in the season. We're still learning a, a lot of lessons, and we're about to learn a whole lot more. So uh, this is a real neat time of year when we, we see things shaping up. Uh, in regards to that, our, our guest, you you mentioned him. He may still have the record for the most listens to the uh, podcast of ours that he was on. Uh, he is a uh, ESPN contributor now. I just watched him uh, the other day. Former Grantland contributor, walk-on at The Ohio State University, author of the book Don't Put Me In, Coach. Uh, welcome back to the Hard Hedge, uh, Mr. Mark Titus. Mark, thank you for joining us again. Hey, thank you for having me. It's good to be here. Um, I had a lot of fun doing it last time. And I'll just start out by saying that you're learning lessons about Virginia. I have a feeling that one lesson you're about to learn is that Virginia has a, a much better basketball team than Ohio State. I have a feeling we're about to learn that <laughs> very soon. <laughs> well, and th- this is where I have to admit that I'm the guy that let my team down because in one of our preseason podcasts, I picked this as our first loss of the season. It's, it's a road game. I thought uh, that, that the drop-off uh, with you guys losing D'Angelo wasn't going to be a, as much as it was. And I thought, okay, this is the time where we're still trying to to put some stuff together, and we dropped this one. I, In a weird way, I actually like this Ohio State team more than I like last year's team. Um, they play really hard. So that's not like the dumbest thought. I don't think um, it, it's easy to make fun of it now, but this like last year's team was so frustrating to watch that like coming into this year, I knew that, that, that this Ohio state team would be young. I knew there were a ton of question marks, but I thought at least they're going to play hard. And that's last year's team was a coin flip as to like whether they even wanted to be on the court and D'Angelo would just have to do everything. So I was like, maybe they play hard. Maybe they figured out. And I still am sort of optimistic, but um yeah, they are just it's it's been a rough go so far. <laughs> so, uh pinpoint it a little bit for us, Mark. Uh, what what has led to the team struggles other than youth? Um, you know, maybe from an X and O standpoint or a personnel standpoint. Um and 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 how much do you see them developing as the season progresses? So, I'll be honest, I've watched like 3 games as all of I think they've played 5 or 6 maybe, I don't know. I've only watched 3 because I assume that we were going to win, like the ones I didn't watch. Those were the ones we lost. <laughs> but um, I, I have, like, I mean, I've talked to the coaches, and I, and I can figure stuff out. I've, I've been to enough of their practices and stuff. The biggest thing with, like, youth, and the reason I'm so scared of the Virginia game tonight is that the, it's not that they're stupid, and that's what I think people want to say about young guys is that they just don't know how to run play. They're, they don't know basketball yet. They know – basketball they know where to be and stuff but they don't get like the little things like when you're starting a play and a guy's cutting out to the wing to to enter your set he has to catch the ball at the three-point line to be effective they don't pick up on that and they'll just like kind of run out to the wing and catch it and let the defense kind of push them out and now they're like beyond the nba line to start the offense and it's little things like that that like i'm watching this just dr- i know that Fadge is pulling his hair out like going crazy trying to get these guys to understand that but um 
that's the kind of stuff that like youth is is killer because then if the whole play is blown up on the very first pass but these guys think that they're doing right they're like okay so in this play i gotta cut here and catch the ball they don't really think about like if i catch the ball three feet away from the basket further everything is screwed and we might as well just punt the ball towards the goal um so it's stuff like that that like i I, i'm optimistic because again they play hard and and that's really sad that that has to be said about Ohio state but because but the last four years man like the the classes the senior class that just graduated was pretty notorious around these parts for uh just kind of going through the motions so they do play hard i don't feel like there's a ton of ego on the team there there aren't guys that are going to be one and done obviously (laughs) (laughs) that's that's a good problem not to have yeah so i mean i i feel like they can get it together And, and i think the plan all along was like this year cross your fingers maybe you can get to the ncaa tournament which seems crazy now but i guess college basketball as a whole is pretty crazy right now so there's no telling what's going to happen from here um you're crossing your fingers maybe they make the ncaa tournament and i think next year was the year that we were expecting them to be halfway decent because they are super super young so well, I guess it's a reason to be optimistic but just not right now <laughs> well you know I, wa- I wonder if that, that's part of our buddy daniel and neil uh wanted to ask the question of, about their on-ball defense like uh what he's seen it seems to be a a weird problem for a Thad Mata team. I mean, is that something you would attribute to their youth? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was that has been the, the bread and butter of, of Mata forever is defense. It's been the when, – when he plasters cheesy quotes in the locker room, they're always about defense. When he's, you know, stopping practice to yell at guys, he, you could you could throw the ball all over the court on offense and he'd just be marginally mad. But if you <laughs> defense, he would go crazy and stuff. So I can respect um, that. Yeah, I mean that's been his that's been his thing, and it's it's really frustrating. And again, like it comes back to I think youth because the guys just don't understand the actions that that are at the college level, and, and they're probably I mean honestly we have, so to to um, give you an idea for the Virginia fans listening that haven't really paid much attention, Ohio State has one junior, zero seniors. Everyone is sophomores and freshmen. Um, and so these guys have been like guarding flex last year and like just simple, like down screens. And then the, the guy, the team throws it to the best player and then he shoots it like that. Those are the plays they're used to guarding. So Good old flex. Uh, yeah. So I don't think they're, they're, uh, picking up on some of the, the, the principles and I don't know. It's, it's been a rough go. I, I mean, I'm optimistic. I think they can be good. Um, but it's, I'm not going to bet anything on that. <laughs> Well, can you break down the personnel a little bit individually? Give us a few names of, of maybe who we should be looking out for. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I would say Kata Bates-Diop is probably the best player. He's, he's the guy that if, like, if, if Ohio State wins, he's going to go nuts. He's like 6'7", probably 230, shoots threes, can handle it a little bit. His, his, my biggest gripe with him is he's not super aggressive. He, he, I think he's just sort of figuring out how good he is. Um, last year as a freshman, didn't get a ton of burn. Uh, I think they usually like brought him in to kind of hit threes, and if he didn't kind of shoot well, they just put him back on the bench and stuff. Um, so I don't think he's fully understanding how good he really is, and because of that, he gets to be a little passive at times. But um, if for some reason he's feeling it tomorrow or tonight, I guess uh, he could he could go off. Um, Jaquan Lyle is the the best recruit. He's a point guard, freshman, six five point guard, real big. Uh, he can make some things happen. He actually does have a kind of a, a, a nose for scoring or, or making stuff happen out of nothing. A lot of times it gets him in trouble, um, but he is one guy on the team that, like, you can throw the ball to and say, hey, we need something. Um, I can't promise that that something's going to be good, but he's going to try to do something. 
Uh, and then Mark Loving's probably the third best player. Um, he's kind of been shoehorned into like a three-point shooter a little bit. Uh, he's he's technically probably the small forward. That doesn't really play positions. He just kind of puts the five best out there. Um, mm-hmm. but he's like a he's like a six-eight uh, stretch four, if you will. I guess um, he he's more of like a small forward that plays power forward to me. Uh, so he'll be okay then. Beyond that, we just got a bunch of guys that play hard. Deshaun Table plays really, really hard. Uh, undersized. He's he's a six four power forward probably. Um, so it, he has his limits, obviously, but he he goes hard. He's probably the fan favorite uh, because he's always crashing the boards and, and trying to make stuff happen and all that kind of stuff. So those are probably the names that if if Ohio State can can miraculously make something happen tonight, it's going to be because those four are doing well. I think. Can you give me uh, uh, just a, a, a breakdown on them defensively on the boards, how, how you think they'll fare against Virginia's offense? Oh, man. Um, not well. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I really don't know. I mean, if this would be a game that I – was, I was in the coach's office today and I was talking to them about the game and the, the point that I was trying to make to them because I was trying to explain to them that I'm kind of a Virginia expert here. Um, and they should listen to they should listen to me if they want a good scattering important stuff. But I was trying to explain to them that getting and I don't think they needed this explained to them. You don't want to be in a game where you're you're trying to outthink the other team because Virginia one no one wants to try to outthink Virginia. That's a recipe for disaster. Two, this Ohio State team doesn't want to try to outthink anybody. So <laughs> if if this game gets to a point where it's like a slow like stereo, basically the type of game that. Um, the people that hate Virginia basketball think that Virginia always plays. If it's one of those games where it's just a grinding 39-36 game, um, we are screwed. We are so, so screwed uh, because these guys, I just don't have a ton of faith that they that they can figure that out. So this, what I'm, the ultimate point I'm making is I think this will be the game that Thad might try to throw some wrinkles. If he's going to do it, this would be a good time to do it, throw some zone out there. He hates zone. We've tried zone before at Ohio State, and it has been disastrous. Um, but I think this is the game. You just say you're getting – I mean, after eight minutes, if you're getting diced apart, just throw something out there and try to get up and down a little bit and see what happens. But as far as, like, matchups, I mean, Virginia is probably – the one matchup that I think might sort of be Ohio State's favor could possibly be point guard. But Parentes has been playing really well lately. Jaquan Lyle's really good, and he's kind of got a size advantage, and he kind of uses his size um, to, to cause some problems. And um, I'm not the biggest Parentis fan. Uh, I, he's been playing super well lately, I know, but he can have his moments where he kind of disappears and stuff. So if there's one kind of matchup I'm looking at, that might be it. And then I don't know who's going to guard. I mean, I'm guessing Kata Bates-Diop might guard Brogdon, but I don't really feel good about that. I don't, I don't really feel good about any of the matchups for Ohio State. Well, I'm wondering if we'll see Thompson on uh, Lyles, you know, because he, he's a little bit quicker. Because, I mean, London, that, that's been a vulnerability we've seen of his. That is- that's a, yeah, that's a very, very good point. I, w- I was speaking more like for Ohio State defensively. They'll put they'll probably put Lyles on Prentice and try gotcha. to swallow him up, and I don't really know what's going to happen from there. I'm, do I sound pessimistic enough? You, you, a little bit. You're, you're, you're not real positive. Uh, well, well, okay. Let's let's talk about this because you have to be as surprised yeah. as this uh, about this as I do, and it's it's still early, yeah. But right now on Ken Palm, Virginia's offense 
ranks well above their defense. We are fifth in adjusted efficiency, fifth in raw efficiency. Our raw efficiency this year is 128.3. Uh, what do you make of of that from a team that that makes defense its calling card? Averaging 81 per game, I'll throw in there. Really? Yep. They're averaging 81 per game. Man, that's pretty. It's pretty amazing, honestly. The um, that George Washington game was. I couldn't believe what I was seeing from Virginia. Like that didn't look like Virginia at all to me. No. Um, no. So for them to be to kind of figure it out that fast, and I, I guess I should ask you guys: Is this more due to the rotations? I noticed that. Tony, like, switched up the starting lineup. Is that what we feel? I haven't been – I should preface, I'm probably a little underprepared for all of this. Um, I have been following Virginia a little bit. I've watched a handful of games, but um, – Well, that's why I, we figured this this would be a shorter one because, I mean, none of us know really what we need to know about these teams. Uh, the, but, yeah, you're right. Thompson started the first two games, and then after the right, GW yeah. game, uh, they moved Shayok in, and, and Thompson is is a nice spark off the bench. Uh, the last couple games, Jack Salt has been starting in place of Mike Toby, and our understanding is it's because Tony likes Anthony Gill and Jack Salt playing together and Toby and Wilkins playing together. Um, but I think uh, it's also trying to shake up a senior and, and get his attention uh, as well. Yeah, for yeah. me, I, I made the point on Twitter after I watched the George Washington game that Prentice is kind of the X factor of this team, and a lot of UVA fans disagreed with me, and that's probably because I'm an idiot and I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, that's That could totally be the case. But to me, like, Prentice is the guy who, okay, his first two years, he was, like, the, the just kind of feeling his way, and he's on, a, he's on a team that, like, it's all about the team and the system and all that kind of stuff, and he's the point guard, and he's starting as a freshman on a 31 team, and it's like, just shut up and get the ball to where it needs to go and stuff. And then last year, kind of hoping he'd maybe be more aggressive, and he, he was at times. Um, but this year, I was like, He's got to be making stuff happen. He's got to. He doesn't necessarily have to be scoring twenty a game. He doesn't need to be scoring fifteen a game. He's just got to make his presence felt. You just got to on the scouting report. It can't just say Malcolm Brogdon and a bunch of other guys. It's got to say Parenthes can kill you. You have to be aware of this guy. Um, and watching George Washington, like he just wasn't doing that. He, he was just out there running around. And it felt like I was watching him as a freshman again. Uh, and since then, since of course I kind of made a comment on Twitter, uh, he's been killed. <laughs> So, yeah. me, like, I would say that that is, honestly, like, if you tell me Virginia's doing well, I'll, the first thing, I'll, uh, offensively, if you're like, Virginia was killing offensively tonight, my first question will be, how did Prentice play? Because I almost guarantee that he was killing himself. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, yeah, I, his, his stats definitely mirror that. Sorry, go ahead, Mike. I took a little bit of a, of a, of a, of a not offense, but I was a little taken back by the Perantis, uh comments when you ranked us a little lower than I expected you to. Only because the, the only thing that you can ever say that London Perantis is, is inconsistent at is shooting the ball. Uh, um, among every other facet of his play is about as consistent as you can get in college basketball. At this point in the season, he has 32 assists to 7 turnovers. His career, he's got 331 assists to 90 turnovers. It's one of the best assist-to-turnover ratios in ACC history. Uh he is as steady as and calming presence with the ball. A great passer, never makes the mistake that'll really beat you. He just struggles with consistency with his shot. Now that being said, at this point in the season, uh, he's 11 of 23 from three at 48 percent, seven of eight from the line. Uh, he did look bad in that GW game, but to to come which, with which the, backs yeah. up your X factor thing, <laughs> the game yeah, was bad. We not. lost. And so the, the is... bottom line with him is, you know. When he is shooting the ball well, 
we are a completely different team to the point that I don't know who can beat us. And when he isn't, you know, we're, we're grounded a little bit, which is the definition of an X factor. So I, I agree with your assessment on that. But right. man, ga- games so, games I, overall where I would think that London Perantis is what cost us the game at the same time, it's in three years. I don't think you could come up with one. I, I will not disagree. I guess for me, and this is like the worst thing to say to a fan base that loves stats more than any fan base in college basketball, but for me, uh, it's like a feel, I guess. Like When I'm watching games, I can feel a, the player's presence, whether he's doing anything of substance or not. Um, just Like Malcolm Brogdon, could, he could score three points and have two steals and like four rebounds, and you feel him out there. You feel him just like crawling up into guys defensively. You feel him kind of pointing guys in the right direction and stuff. And I guess for me, I, there are too many games where I don't feel that with Brontis. And that I don't know how to quantify that. Everyone's, you know, like, everyone's just kind of doing a jerk-off motion listening to this right now. Like, what does that even mean? No, well, dude, actually, I, like I, I agree with you, Mark. I don't that, – that I could honestly say it does feel like it, at stretches he disappears. And, and I, I understand what you're saying there. Um, because for me, it's like, so you think about like the best point guard in the country, like a Tyler Eulis of Kentucky, who's like her right now. And that might not be a great example because he's not playing. Um, but, uh, or like a Chris Dunn or like these guys that are like the best point guards in the country. They are like the guys that make everything go. And they're the guys that like, you, you cannot, when ESPN showing the game, they, they do the star watch thing. You have to, you have to mention his name. You have to mention this guy's name because he is, this is a guy you're going to be seeing doing stuff all night. He's going to be getting the ball to the lane. Maybe he doesn't get the assist, but he's getting the ball to where it needs to be, passing to the guy or pass it to the other guy. Just stuff like that that, like, you feel their presence with these guys. And Prontas, I feel his presence a lot. I just, like, at this point in his career, I want to get to the point where, like, every single game I'm turning it on and I'm seeing him just doing something and and making his presence felt. And I guess, like, the George Washington game, I panicked. I know it was early, but it was like, oh, no, don't do this to me. Don't have these stretches where you're, you know, these two or three games where it's like you're just kind of out there throwing the ball to Malcolm and letting him do everything. Um, I I need you to do stuff. So He responded in the Charleston Classic and won the MVP of the tournament. So hopefully, you know, hopefully hopefully more of that continues. Hopefully not tonight it doesn't continue, but after tonight. Right. (laughs) What? Let's talk about the rule changes a little bit uh, before we go uh, predictions and, and make a, make everybody put a, a score out there. Um, you know, I, I saw a, 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 a great t- tweet from Tom Izzo today that I couldn't agree with more, and, and I'd love to hear your stance on just how the game has looked watching as much college basketball as you do. Uh, th- this freedom of movement stuff has been called very differently from uh, – dozens of games that I've watched so far this year and it's a lot of time spent on the free throw line uh, a lot of key players in foul trouble uh, and a lot of you know a, a lot of frankly in my opinion offensive players just lowering their head and going and getting the call um, you know is this what they wanted when they decided to really address these rules or, or do you think this is good for college basketball it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens because I think it's funny how we were all talking like the rule changes and the one we we're all focusing on as it pertains to Virginia was kind of the shot clock, or at least that's what I kept hearing yep. as it pertained to Virginia. It was like, what is the, 
oh, my God, Virginia was scoring 35 points a game. we got to shorten the shot clock, so now they'll score 42, and that'll fix everything, um, which is, like, the, the thought that, like, these people were putting out there. So I don't know. Yeah, let's give teams oh. five uh, less seconds to, right. to score against Virginia. So the shot clock, I never thought about the, the freedom of movement, mostly because I expected the refs to kind of back off of it, and I still kind of do. I still think that, like, there's going to be a moment where – the com- this committee doesn't actually exist, I don't think, but like the college basketball committee of entertainment gets together and they all say, this is unwatchable, this is worse than last year, we have to go back to the way it was. Um, and they, they kind of tell the refs to ease up on some of these calls. Um, I haven't, I mean, like, I love the idea because I feel the same way. I don't like guys grabbing each other. I don't like, I, I want to see athletes make athletic plays. Um, and, and I, I love the NBA. Uh, I know we've kind of got into that discussion. I think we did about NBA versus college and all that kind of stuff. I like the NBA a lot. I'm not one of the college guys. that's like a snob and says, I'm strictly college. I'm not NBA. And it is a completely different game because the NBA, they let their athletes make plays. Now, whether you think that's better or not, whatever, I, I don't want the college game to be the NBA game, but I want that aspect of like, if, an, if a guy gets a step on you, you have to let him go because he's beat you at that point. You can't just, like, grab his arm and pull him back. Um, so I'd like to see that enforced, but they've been taking it really far. Some of those fouls, and, and I will pander to my audience right now and say that that George Washington game, especially for, for UVA, was pretty brutal, some of those calls. And some of them away from the ball are the bad ones to me. It's like I understand the ball handler ones, but some of the ones away from the ball where you're kind of checking, checking cutters and stuff like that, like that's – I don't know how you – that's been ingrained in college basketball for – since the, the beginning of time. Like, how do you right. – Well, that, you, it, that's yeah. the biggest rule change that I was worried about is, is checking the cutters because, you know, the, the pack line does like to slow those guys down a little bit. Yeah. And the George Washington game, I was more worried about how the rule changes were going to affect us than I was about how our team was playing because it, it definitely – I mean, there was a point in that game where I think we stopped hedging because we, yeah. we, we were afraid – to get called and and suddenly the whole brand of basketball that Bennett's built up your uh, whole podcast away. was like the hard head like, right. the call <laughs> yeah man well those two things go go hand in hand phony you know it, it's hard to play well in my opinion I, i've watched that george washington tape three times and look virginia played badly and i, and I think it was their the first half defensively was one of the worst halves that I, i've seen them play as a team in, in three years it was really lazy, which is just oh, yeah. unbelievable for our defense. But at the same time, especially in the second half, to try to get any kind of momentum uh, on the road, to try to really build any kind of semblance of you know, continuity, 43 fouls in that game. It, it was just a game that had no game flow. It was just awkward. And you know, I felt about even after we hit, a, I think Malcolm hit a three to put us up by one with like 10 to go or something. I still felt we were going to lose that game. It was just such an awkward, disjointed game. And I hope it was an aberration. I think it was uh, for a number of reasons. But I remember after the game thinking, you know, holy shit, if this is how they're going to call the rest of the season, like everything that Virginia basketball stands for (laughs) is going to be in some trouble. Now, I agree with with Mark. I think that uh, much like two years ago, um, you're going to see them soften a bit. They're trying to make a statement early. At least that's what I'm hoping. Yeah. And, and I mean, Virginia will figure it out. If they don't, I think Virginia will figure it out. I mean, maybe their defense won't be as good, obviously, because they won't be able to be as physical. But that's what the best defenses do. They, they figure out what that line is. 
and they cross it a little bit and then they back off right and they, they kind of toe that line of like what's allowed what's not allowed and early in this that was early in the season they didn't they're like oh you it almost looked like like halftime or something like Virginia just wanted to turn to the rest and go, oh, you were serious about these rules today. Like, we're, we're seriously going to call this stuff. Like, this is really this is really happening. Um, so I'm yeah. sure they'll be fine as they well, move you know, forward. What, I mean, you just... One thing we've kind of seen in the last couple of games is Virginia's attacking the basket more because, I mean, we were getting killed right. at GW. Guys, you know, would take two steps toward the basket and they get the whistle. And so I think Tony was like, okay. <laughs> and right. so yeah, we got a lot more guys that's... driving and we're getting a lot of fouls. At the end of the day, you don't have to have as good as a, of a defense as you had last year or the year before, like whatever the metrics all say and all that. You just have to have basically a better defense than the other team. You have to guard the other team's offense better than they guard your offense. So if, if they're calling ticky-tack stuff on you, then, yeah, just be aggressive on the other end and make them call the same stuff on them. As long as you're playing better D, it's going to work out in the end. So I'm sure they'll be fine. I'm, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, you know, it's, it, it's just an adjustment like anything else. And, and I tell you – um, I, I, you know, I think you're st- still going to see some some really strong basketball out of this team, Mark. I think this it's the deepest Virginia team that that Tony's ever had. That there's playable cal- ACC caliber depth through ten or eleven guys, and, and they're all playing. Uh, you know, obviously, I think Tony will cut down the rotation at some point, but he he's really trying to season these guys to to be prepared in March. And, you know, I think that depth is really going to help. And, and it, you know, this gauntlet of non-conference games that we have coming up with Ohio State, uh, West Virginia, California, Villanova, uh, all in the next couple weeks, it's, it, we're really going to see where we are. But um, That's an interesting point about, about this. And all I saw is you guys this, because I'm interested to hear what you have to think. Do you feel like he's coaching the team? I mean, it's, again, it's early. We'll see. But do you feel like he's coaching the team with a different approach in terms of, like, the big picture? Because – to me, him like switching the rotation and stuff, it's kind of what you're alluding to. It's like after two years of having 31 teams and getting bounced in the second round, he's kind of, it was the set. When, when, when did they lose? They make the Sweet 16. No, they made the Sweet 16 yeah. in one year. Last year was the second round. Is that right? Last year was second yeah. round. The year so before sweet was sweet whatever, but whatever, whatever the case, both years were kind of underachieving. I, is, that, is that fair to say? We're in the yeah, third? I mean, and I, th- oh, I think yeah. the fan the focus at this point is definitely on the postseason. Right. You know? So I think, like, do you think, Tony at this point is like, okay, we did the thing where we dominate the regular season. Let's try to maybe, okay, we'll, we'll lose a game or two here if it means figuring out what's going to work in March. Do you have yes. that sense yeah. right now? I think that's 110%. It, it, I, in fact, I, he's, he's pretty much said that, uh, that the entire purpose, sure. oh yeah, the entire purpose behind this non-conference schedule, uh, even though you know they knew that this was going to be the year that they had the most veterans um, so they wanted to give them a lot more stiffer tests uh, in the non-conference. They weren't worried about losing a couple games. And uh, one, one of the first meetings that the new assistant, Brad Soderberg, attended, uh, he said at one point during the summer that that was the focus of the meeting was, you know, we have to figure out how to prepare this team better for March. Uh, so, yes, I think that they are absolutely toying with the rotations, playing a lot of guys, playing a tough schedule. This program has has done everything that you can do in the regular season in the last two years, uh, and they have nothing but a Sweet 16 to show for it. So right. I, I think the emphasis to answer your question is absolutely on March. Um, you and know, and I think, oddly enough, the, the fan base gets that. Uh, after the George Washington win, it was amazing. I mean, there were a couple of people that were like, oh, no, what do we do? But 98% of the people were like, well, you know, this is, this is part of, of building – 
toward that goal and, and figuring things out. Like nobody was panicking because, you know, winning 25, 30 regular season games, whatever, that's, that's not what we want to do this year. And uh, so, so that was pretty neat to see that, that the fans seemed to get it as well. Yeah. What's funny is the national writers didn't know they, they jumped off the Virginia bandwagon with that game. Like nobody's business. But is, it, is, it, is this a shot at me? Because I kind of jumped off the bandwagon. So. It's, it's okay. Not, it's not a you, shot. You had built up enough goodwill at that point, Mark. That I just, uh, I, what, I, what I wanted to see was just how like revered I am by Virginia fans. I want to see, like, is it unconditional love? Maybe I say, like, one or two bad things. Are they going <laughs> to? Oh, no, man. You're, you're, still, uh, you're still in the honeymoon period, Mark. You're good, you're good to go. Oh, yeah, I, I did see a couple of people like, what? You know what? what, what they, I think I think they were more hurt than mad, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> so let me let me clarify. I'm not off the Virginia bandwagon. I was I it was a little shock value. I I in the big picture. And and by the way, I'm really encouraged that that this is what Tony has kind of said that he's doing. Um, that's awesome. I I 100% agree with that approach. Um, I mean, what's another 30 win? And, and it's almost like you guys have gotten greedy and spoiled. Like, what's another 30 win ACC title? What? Uh, who cares? We won't we want to do something with March, as though like that happens all the time in Virginia before he came around, you know. Every um, year for the past two years, man. But I should clarify the reason I I, I know he's going to figure it out. I know they're going to be some a team no one want to play in March and all that kind of stuff. But I was just freaking out after the George Washington game, mostly because it did not look like Virginia at all. They were it just didn't. lazy defensively. They looked so out of sync offensively. Um, so it was mostly just like, are these guys like? Is this combination of guys and and basically and also coming off the justin anderson thing last year where he got hurt and then the offense went to hell um so it's kind of like man it's justin anderson like they had all offseason is he really that important to them that they still can't figure this out um so i'm the long story short i'm an idiot i overreacted no Um, you know and and with with tony bennett squad we've seen that the past couple years it's just last year we were fortunate enough not to lose any of those games but we definitely had some that that we easily could Uh, and, and, you know, the, the early games now I was more confident about this year's team because of the experience, but when he's still tinkering with lineups and getting things straight, I mean, we, we've been lucky. We haven't had more early losses in the past couple of years. Um, I mean, two years ago we did, <laughs> uh, but, but last year we, we came through clean, even though I don't know that we fully deserved it, but it's okay. Yeah. I will say, I think you'll see, you know, maybe not, yeah, hopefully for your sake, not tonight, but I think that, uh. <laughs> I think that you'll see out of Virginia basketball uh, actually a drastically improved offensive team uh, that is shooting, you know, very well from the floor, getting good looks. Um, defensively, I think they still have work to do, and 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 that's going to be the big the big question for me is is with the new rules and and with the new lineup without having a guy like Darian Atkins, uh, without having a true you know. Uh, top level athlete to to do a lot of the hedging uh, that we do in our defense, you know, kind of remains to be seen how good we can top out and be. But this is the best offensive team, and um, they just didn't show it against GW. So let's uh l- let's go ahead and get a prediction. We don't want to keep Mark all night. Dude. He's a busy guy. I'm sure he's got deadlines. Um, <laughs> let's uh. Let's hit a. I think you need a job to have deadlines. I think that's. <laughs> yeah. What are you doing next? But before we get to predictions, what what do you got? You know, because Grantland shut down. Um, yeah, Grantland. Which is total BS. It, it, it was uh, probably the best thing ESPN ever did, um, and and it's a shame that it's gone. So, what are you looking at now? Um, I I have to sit tight um, for legal reasons for a little bit of time. Um, I, I'm working on 
sorting things out. Uh, that's pretty much as okay. most I, I can say. I get uh, it. See, we should have we should have covered this in the pre-interview. Right. So. Like if you're, I'll say this: don't hold your breath uh, for me writing this college basketball season, which is really a bummer, and I'm really upset about it. Uh, but I'm still watching. I'm still soaking it all in. I just have to talk to my wife about it, who could care. She could not care less about college basketball, and I just shove my like, babe, you have to listen to this thought I have about this team. She's like, I don't care. I'm like, I know you don't care, but I have to tell somebody. So that's uh, that's that's what I'm doing, my winner. Well, well, hopefully, this season after we Virginia gets more national games, hopefully we can have you back on for a little bit to, uh, um, you know, really talk about it. And at that point, maybe you're you're talking about the turnaround of Ohio State, or maybe we just don't even yeah. bring it up. We'll, we'll talk. Yeah, maybe, yeah. One of, one of those two will probably. <laughs> I'll tell you, uh, Mark, and uh, this isn't to just uh, kiss your ass, man, but. Uh, I looked forward to your columns last year more than any writer out there, and it wasn't about – I didn't just scroll down to the Virginia paragraph. <laughs> hey, I uh, I, you know, I, I, I think <laughs> it's absolutely crazy if one of these sites don't pay you a bunch of money uh, to, to cover I, these weekly. Uh, so I, get your legal get your legal worry. stuff squared away and, and get me some content because a lot yeah, of these other guys don't suck. Don't worry about me. I'll be fine. I'll land on my feet. I'm fine and all that. It's just some uh, some hoops you got to jump through and all that kind of nonsense. So. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully so, you get on the air more. We, we were talking about your T-shirt that you were wearing on ESPN the other day, and what did it say again? It said, the Lord is my shepherd, but Bobby Knight's the coach. <laughs> That's that was, awesome. Yeah. I'm they put you on, on a live ESPN, or I don't know, it was probably recorded. It was but, Scott Van Pelt show, right? Yeah, it was Van Pelt. Van Pelt, yeah, he had me on. He's, he's. I know he's a turp, and I know you guys feel about the turp, but he's, he's the man. So. I, I, yeah, I get mixed feelings about uh, him. Like as <laughs> like long him. as he's not talking about the turps, I tend to like. Him. <laughs> oh man! Right on. So let's let's go ahead and just sum it up. Um, we're gonna make all th- all three of us give a score prediction. Uh, we'll start with you, Phony. All right, man. I'm going um, to to stick with the average. Uh, Virginia, eighty-one. OSU 72, I think it's anybody's game for the first 30 minutes, and, and then we just gradually chip away. Mark? I'll do a score prediction, 83 to 69, um, Virginia over Ohio State. I'll say that it, like Virginia has a comfortable lead the whole game. I'll, I'll come away being proud of our boys for putting up a hard fight. I'll come away optimistic. I'll come away thinking – Maybe this Ohio State team really could make the tournament. They, they showed me something there. Um, but at no point in time will Virginia fans really think that, that they can lose this game, I don't think. And then as far as other predictions, I predict that Parentis and Anthony Gill will still have two of the worst haircuts in college basketball. <laughs> <laughs> that that has been a divisive issue, not only on Twitter, but also on the message boards. Uh, somebody actually blamed our GW loss on the haircuts because it showed a lack of discipline. Maybe that's what, but maybe that's what shocked me the most about Virginia from the, the GW game. I was like, what are, what are these guys doing with their hair? This is this is not the Virginia I grew to love. What, what is happening? Have you seen Jack Salt's hair? His haircut makes up for all the others. This uh, is true. And by I, the way, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that Jack Salt is like he's going to be my favorite. Is he a freshman? He's a, I know he redshirted last yeah. year. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god, I'm going to love this guy. His name is Jack Salt. Like, how amazing of a name is that? And I know, like, the best recruit you have coming in, I know this because he's from Indy, and I keep tabs on Indy guys. Kyle, Kyle Guy. Kyle Guy. Like, we're going to have three years of Jack Salt and Kyle Guy. Like, listen, say that out loud. Like, the most generic names. That's Those sound like two names that, like, if you're a sixth grader writing a story and you're trying to think of, like, two characters, you just Jack Salt and Kyle Guy. Like, it, 
you need like Tom Stone and like Brad Powers and, and someone else to round out a starting five and like the You've most seen the draft there. of my detective novels? <laughs> so I'm so excited for this. If you thought Virginia was boring before, wait till the names put you to sleep. Well and, and, and I don't know if you've heard about this with, with Jack Salt because of course he's from New Zealand, so he's got this this awesome accent, but Tony tells the story of how in practice he will practically get in fist fights with everyone. And as oh, soon as the whistle blows, he's over there getting everybody water. Like oh, he he's the most polite and yeah. nicest guy between the whistles. Dude, what if he does that? He should, do you think he knows how to do the hawk? Is that what it's called, the hawk thing? The hawk. Oh yeah, they used to do the hawk before their games. Yeah, they've there's been a lot of talk about that. Either the, um, you know, it would be nice to see the students break it out at some point. Oh my god, my dream next year is Virginia. Who's the who's your biggest rival at this point? VCU, oh. VTech, probably Tech, right? I mean, in basketball. Yeah. What, do, you, do you guys play VCU every year? No. No, and it, we probably would have, but then Chaka moved on, and so I think maybe we're going to see how they do. Well, you, when, Next year, you're playing Tech, you're playing Maryland, whoever, whatever, and there's just a two-man hockey of Jack Salt and Kyle Guy at half-court <laughs> at the other team. I don't want the rest of the team to do I just want those two guys. <laughs> just two, just, I, I think they would. <laughs> so sorry to get sidetracked. So that, no, that was that's my prediction. 83-69 is my official prediction. All right, I'm going to go with 75-60. And uh, I give the the low scoring output to to Ohio State based on on the Mark's assumption that they are, or assessment, I should say, that they are undisciplined and and young, uh, which to me is is a a nightmare for the type of defense that we play. So, um, you know, I think they'll, they'll struggle to get good looks. Just on the off chance that any Ohio State fans are listening to this, and so I don't get crucified, I do like this team. I I understand the process. We're in like the Sixers mode, the 76ers mode, where it's like trust the process, all that kind of stuff. There's a process in place. Um, I do think Ohio State is on the right track. Not this year necessarily, but I am excited about the future. Uh, so and that's one of my favorite things about college basketball is watching the teams improve throughout the season. Like. You see, like this collection of guys that just doesn't know what the hell they're doing in the first few games, right. and then you know by the end of the season, you're like, yeah, these guys could do something. So, uh, you you got a team like that, and and who knows what they're going to be like at the end. Right, yeah, I, I think they'll be right on that that NCAA tournament bubble line, and and as you say, Mark, like, look, it sounds like these guys are, are going to be in the program for a while. It's not a bunch of one and dones, um, right. and you know that means that that the future is definitely bright. Shoot, the, the rest of the college basketball landscape does not look super strong right now, so you never know what's going to happen. There's still plenty of ball left. So, Yeah, we'll sure is. Well, Mark, uh, we want to thank you so much for joining us. Uh, man, uh, it's such a pleasure to have you on. We get a lot of listens when you come on board, and, and we just have so much fun talking to you. You can find him at Club Trillion uh, at Twitter. Um, and, Mark, thanks a lot yeah, for joining us, buddy. And I want to say before I go – and. First of all, thank you for having me. I'll come on anytime. I love talking Virginia. I love talking basketball. Pretty much anyone will listen to me. So this is awesome. Um, I love doing it. And if any Virginia fans are listening to this, maybe as they're driving up to the game or something, um, number one, I'll be at the game. So uh, uh, hopefully we run into each other. Bye, Mark. Beer. Please, please make me look really important. I'm bringing my wife. So it's like <laughs> I always try to set this up. Can we have your autograph, Mr. Titus? Please yeah. ask for autographs. Everything, so that way uh number two we serve beer in the shot now this is a really big 
thing. Um, we're really excited about this. There's beer at Ohio State basketball games. I'm not sure what the, the JPJ situation is, but uh, we've been trying to get beer in the in the shot for years, and it finally happened. No beer for and, us, uh, man. I'm jealous. No beer for Yeah, so, so, so playing accordingly for that. Number three, I'm going to be at Varsity Club on Lane Avenue before the game. If anyone wants to uh, grab a drink, that's the spot to stop by. That's awesome. Varsity Club on Lane Avenue. So there's your any Virginia fan. I know there have been a few that have already tweeted at me that will be there. So you, I'm sure you guys will travel well. And, uh, awesome. I'll, I'll put it out there to everybody. All right. All right. Well, thank you, Mark. We look forward to talking to you again soon, and, and good luck to you guys tomorrow night. All right. Good, good job, guys. Thanks. All right. Thanks, man. Thanks, buddy. All right, guys. Well, that was Mark Titus. And let me tell you, man, I, I wish I was going to Columbus uh, tomorrow because um, – I'd, I'd buy him a drink even though he downgraded our who's. Yeah, I would love to have a beer with that guy, man. He just seems like he'd be such a fun guy to go to a game with. So uh, if any of you guys make it up there, definitely take him up on that opportunity. Uh, joining us now is the rest of our Steam panel. We have uh, Daniel O'Neill uh, with us. What's up, Daniel? How you doing, buddy? Doing pretty good. How about you guys? Uh, living the dream, brother. Uh, also with us is Charlie Saulwasser from At University Ball. I said that right, correct, Charlie? You did. You got it on the first try. It doesn't happen to me very often. Boom. Well, uh, good to have you with us, bud. And I just wanted to kind of uh, get together with everybody. We haven't had a podcast since the season started. We've had a little bit of ups and downs already um, on the young season. Just kind of wanted to get everybody's feedback, you know, leading into this ridiculous stretch that we're about to hit on, you know, where where we think we are as a team. And obviously it's, it's awfully early to assess that, but... Um, you know, we can we can try our best. And uh, I'll start with you, uh, Phony. Is there anything that has really kind of stood out to you uh, in both a positive or negative way as, as we sit six games in? Well, you know, we touched on it earlier. The offensive efficiency right now, the unadjusted offensive efficiency is 128. I mean, that's that's amazing. So 1.28 points per possession is what this team is getting. And, and we've never seen that kind of offensive efficiency. And granted, I know competition, blah, 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 all that. But... You can watch this team and, and how they're able to execute on offense, particularly since the GW game. You've seen Tony try to take advantage of the freedom of movement rules, the way it's being enforced, and, and trying to get to the line more and, and or making guys give us the lanes. So uh, the offense is, has really shocked me, and probably our depth. Uh, the, the number of guys, it has not been surprising, but it's been one of the most pleasant things is that we've got so many guys, different guys that we can put in so many different looks that we can give teams. So there's really nothing I've been disappointed about. The GW game wasn't entirely unexpected. I didn't expect that we would lose that game, but I I knew we'd lose some of these uh, early games just because we're still trying to figure things out. So that doesn't bother me. It doesn't worry me. Uh, We've, we've moved on and I think we're just going to continue to improve. Charlie, what stood out to you? Um, I'm going to mostly the play of two players. I've been really impressed by mine and all of our pet project, Devin Hall. It's clear he spent a lot of time with Mike Curtis over the last two years. He's come back. He looks more defined. He looks bigger. He's stronger. And he's just, he's making quick decisions. And that gets like, it's night and day from watching him this year to watching him last year. He know he catches the ball. He knows where he's going with it. And he's going there with an outcome in mind. And he's either he's making he's taking a shot, he's making a pass, he's really turning into a valuable weapon off the bench. And then <clears throat> I've been sorry, I'm also battling a cold. Um, I'm pleasantly not so much surprised, but I'm really enjoying the emergence of Mariel Shayak. I mean, just his willingness to put his head down, 
use those arms to extend the ball over the defense and put in a floater or even just a spot up in the corner. As well as, I mean, he hasn't lost his willingness to distribute, which I think, I mean, as much as I love Justin Anderson, he kind of fell off a little bit as a distributor once he looked for his own offense more in his last few years. And I think Shayok kind of has a special eye for it, and I'd like to hope he keeps that as he becomes more ingrained into the offense. But those two guys at a position where we were a little concerned coming into the season, those two guys have been a really pleasant surprise with how they stepped up and stepped out. Yeah, I, I totally agree. How about you, Dan? Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me is that um, I think that this team is might actually be the most dynamic that Tony's had um, in his years here. Um, what I mean by that is uh, obviously we, I could talk for a long time about the depth in this team, and, and that's kind of what we expected coming into the season. But it's not only just depth, but and not only just talented, experienced depth, but it's you get a number of different looks from this team. It's not really this. It doesn't really feel like it's the same team each night. Uh, in like it, 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 like last year was, you pretty much knew what you were going to see from from Virginia. You knew it was going to be Justin leading the way and Malcolm and Ag and guys like that contributing. It was it was pretty much those five uh, that starting five really pulling a lot of the weight. There was some depth on the bench, but but really it was, it was those guys carrying the team. This is just so much. Um, it's almost like, like 2013, 2014, but even more so, um, where it's just so balanced, and you could have one guy score 15 one night, and then another guy score 15 the next night. Um, it's just really just up in the air in terms of that, um, and I think that that makes us really dangerous. Again, it's depth, but it's it's actual real playable depth. Like last year, this time of the season, we were talking about our depth, but those were. We were relying on on true freshmen and guys that were really that looked good early on, but we re- they really hadn't faced a lot of the tests that they would face later on in the year. Now they've done that. They're they're tested. They're ready to go. And um, I think it's 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 pretty cool when you can have Malcolm going for twenty five one night and then really just taking a step back and letting letting Marielle, London, uh, Darius, guys like that. Uh, once they're feeling it, taking over. Um, so I just think this team is overall like much more dynamic um, and we'll be able to, I think it'll help a lot later into the season against, um, we'll, be, we'll have more options essentially against different lineups, different teams, different defenses. Well, yeah, it's not like, you know, we're three deep with the same guy at every position. I mean, at, at each position, we can give a lot of different looks, whether it's exactly. the size of the point guard or the difference between the finesse of Mike Toby and, and just the, the bullying of Jack Salt. I mean, with it, there's a lot of, uh, really different kinds of players there. So I think that's fun when you start looking at it, each matchup that we're going to face this season and, and see how much Tony changes the lineup from game to game. Yeah, guys, I'm going, I'm going right along with everyone who's mentioned it. You know, I think the playable depth has stood out to me as one of the deepest teams we've ever had, if not the deepest and one of the deepest teams in the country, if not the deepest. So, you know, I think you have 11 guys that can potentially contribute and our ACC caliber players and just as as you guys have said the the way that they mix and match the fact that you have depth at guard you have depth at wing you have depth in the post it's not like you're just thick on one side of it you're, you're thick up and down the line there's so many different lineups and combinations and we talked about it a little bit with Mark Titus a few minutes ago I do believe look, I'm not saying he's not going to cut down the rotation I think it'll probably be more like nine you know but I, I think that 
even as the quality of play increases a little bit, I think you're going to continue to see a little bit bigger of a substitution pattern than Tony typically does because he's going to try to keep his main guys fresh because this team is looking to play from March. Um, you know, not not to, you know, not in, in lieu of regular season games, but their their goal is, is to perform better in March. And I think Tony recognizes the same things that we recognize, that, that this team has the depth that you can stretch it out a little further. And there's so many different combinations based on the matchup that you're going against that you can roll out there on any given night. And How, how uh, weird is it that Evan Nolte is basically the end of our bench right now? That's what, I was, that's what I was thinking about today is that, like, this guy's a, a senior who started games his freshman year, started a bunch of games last year, has tons of minutes logged in ACC play and big games, and he's, like, the 10th, 11th man, essentially. I mean, how many how many teams – I mean, Evan Olte would start for a lot of decent teams, and he's uh, – it is what he is. I mean, I, mean, I still think we're going to see a lot from Nolte this year. I don't think he's going to – uh, see his minutes drop as much as they have early on the season. I think he'll 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 make some noise uh, depending on matchups later in the year. But it's crazy when you think of um, we have an Evan Nolte that far down in our bench right now. It's that that just really speaks to this team, this the depth of this team, and how much actually Tony actually trusts the depth depth this year rather than just uh, trying out some new guys. Well, just how well, the overall I mean, quality it's, of it's player a, has improved. Yeah, just, exactly. to, yeah just, just to piggyback off that, Daniel, real quick. Now, Charlie, I'll let you chime in. Uh, Tony actually said today uh, on on his press uh, conference that he fully expects Evan Nolte to play more. Uh, that it was more of a matchup thing over the last stretch of games, and that he's just kind of been the odd man out. But I think he echoed exactly what you just said that that we will see more of Evan Nolte, Charlie. I think we will too, but it also, the fact that Evan's minutes have sunk to the point that they have, like it speaks a little bit to the talent we've accumulated and the development of it, because I think for every skill Evan brings to the table, there's arguably somebody else on the team that does it better than Evan does. Right. I mean, maybe he offers a unique combination to be deployed in some matchups as a stretch four, but for any anything Evan brings to the table, I think we have somebody that can duplicate it and do it better. Yeah, I mean, I think I touched upon it in the last podcast. Unless he really gets his shooting going, then there's there's not a whole lot that you know he's really going to be able to uh, stand out at uh, among the other guys. And so, you know, we've got more athletic guys at both the three and the four. So, but I th- I think his leadership and and like I said, he's been clutch before. He's hit some big shots and he's not afraid of it. So, uh, he'll have some big moments this year. Well, let's talk about some, you know, uh, let, let's be a little a little bit more critical um, and, and talk about, you know, maybe what happened in the GW game as well as some things that you think we need to work on um, based on what you've seen on tape so far this year. And we'll start with you, Phony. Uh, where, where can this team improve? Oh, man. I mean, the GW game, after these last three games, and again, the competition was different, but the GW game just really kind of seems like an anomaly. I mean, we, we weren't, we just, we, we didn't look like ourselves. Uh, Malcolm in the first half was the, the Malcolm that I always text you about, the <laughs> the one who's forcing up shots, who's, the, the shots he's taken are the ones he shouldn't be taking, and vice versa. Um, you know, London really wasn't, you know, he was kind of disappearing. Uh, we, we just didn't have it and and we've we've put it together since then i still 
wish we could finish better. I don't think our rebounding uh, has been that great. I haven't I need to look at our rebounding numbers. I don't feel like our rebounding has been that great. Do you know where that falls? Uh, let's see. We have... It's not as good as... I looked at it the other day. It's not as good as it usually is, especially in terms of like rebounding efficiency. 37.3 opponents, 27.2 per game. So we have about a five rebounding, uh, five rebound edge. Uh, and I feel like we're yeah. struggling on the defensive glass more than usual in particular. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And yep. I don't know, are we forcing teams to take more threes? Cause it seems like, you know, you get the, those longer rebounds and more offensive boards. Um, I know we're not taking a lot of threes and, and we're shooting them pretty well this season, but we're, we're not taking much of them. Um, well, yeah, you know, I think we're, we're taking about as many as I'd expect, uh, you know, for, for this type of this type of team. But, um, you know, it's all it's all based yeah, on we're 296 on Ken Palm on percentage of uh, three point shots. Yeah. Okay, well. And opponents are taking, yeah, slightly more per 100, like they're three percent up. So they're take we're taking we're facing slightly more threes than we have in previous years. But I don't know if that. I think there's still a little bit of a weakness there beyond that. What well, about rebounding? Yeah, Toby Toby keeps getting under the basket. I mean, that uh like I I feel like I mean he gets his position, but then he's just kind of getting pushed off the block and he gets underneath to where he can't pull it down. I think some of that also has to do with we are making a a real effort to get out and transition more this year. And so I think whenever you do that, you you can you tend to lose a little bit on the defensive glass. Um whereas in the past we'd legitimately have pretty much five guys staying home to get the rebounds. Now we've got, we're, we're cheating up a little bit more and, I, and I'm totally okay with it. I think we're going to be a good rebounding team at the end of the day. Um, whether we have to work some things out, whatever, that's not something I'm really worried about. Um, I like that we are pushing more in transition and getting really good transition looks too, but, but that is something that comes with, with a change like that. Yep. Guys, I think the, uh, the GW game, I've watched it three times. Um, and and it every time I watch it, it's a little more painful than the last. It, you know, it's a, it was. It's a burn the tape type type of game. <laughs> it really is. It, it was, you know. First of all, I I thought it was the, the I mentioned this earlier, but I thought it was the worst team defense that we've played in three years in the first half. I really it's, thought it was. It was um, such a strange feeling to be watching that game and not be able to count on stops. Like in the past, I've been used to just relying on the defense and waiting for the offense to pick it up and find some flow. And in this game, it was like, it was the opposite. It was really like, it was bizarro world to feel like we couldn't stop a team like GW. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. And and that flow that the game with 43 fouls called, uh, once you got in the second half, the defense played a little better. Um, but the, the, the way they were calling the game, you know, late in the first and then definitely into that second half, that game lost all flow, uh, in, in trying to get the offense back on track that was struggling. Everybody not named Brogdon really had a terrible offensive game. Um, there was just, the, the whistle was blowing so much that, that we couldn't go out and get any easy baskets. We couldn't do anything to kind of break out of that funk we were in. Yeah. And, I mean, four, 43 whistles, that's, that's more than one per minute. Uh, I mean, you know, we're used yeah. to trying to get multiple stops in a row and, you can't get that when every 45 seconds the whistle's blown. Yeah, it was crazy. It, it really was. I, that's why I do believe that game was an anomaly. 
you know, it's the type of road game that you could see again down this down the line, you know, and, and so hopefully they can use it as a, use it as a good learning experience. Uh, but you know, I, I think this Virginia team is a heck of a lot better than they showed that night. Um, yeah, to know, be clear, I'm not blaming it on the officiating. Um, you know, if anything, we we should have adapted. And I think we've seen that since that game, so we we learned our lesson. Yeah, we you know you're gonna have to you're gonna have to or, or, or you know you're gonna be left in the dust because if they were really gonna call the games the rest of the season the way they called that one then um, there was gonna have to be some serious adjustments made um, you know offensively guys obviously there isn't a whole lot to complain about at this point 81 points a game was which is nuts that I think they're yeah they're 52 percent as a team shooting the basketball 38 percent round up 39. Um, on three-pointers as a team, um, you know, if you take away that GW game, it's been some pretty unbelievable offensive numbers. I'd like to see, you know, it's funny, coming out of timeouts and, and uh, beginning of games and uh, uh, beginning of the half, you always see the ball go to the block, um, and either Toby or, or Gill or somebody gets a, gets a touch down low, and it's like, it's like Tony preaches that every time he talks to the team, and then when the game gets a little bit of flow, and you get a little bit of time between whistles, uh, we seem to forget about it. It, it, it. That's the one thing that I'd like to see offensively uh, is consistently getting the ball down to the big guys, and I think that opens up a lot of things uh, up and down the, the offense. And, uh, you know, it, it's it's early in the season, and I think they're still finding their way, but um, that's just me being a little bit picky because, you know, you got to be sometimes. So have you guys seen – Anything that stood out to you offensively? We'll go the other way around this time and start with you, Daniel. Um, I mean, specifically, I just I, I like what I've seen from the guards overall. Just, I mean, whoever, the, whatever the combination of guards might be at the time, I just think that overall we've been a little bit more aggressive, um, a little bit more, I mean, I've been co- complaining for a long time about getting movement into our offense, and I think that's less of an issue this year, I think it's it's just a lot more natural. I think people feel a lot more comfortable moving around. I've I've been other than the GW game. I've been very pleased with what I've seen from London. I think um, he could be in for a really big year, and if that's the case, then I then I think we're a really really dangerous team if he plays like he did against uh, like he did against GW uh, uh, not GW uh, George Mason and Charleston um, all together. Yeah. yeah, overall, but just the amazing game in particular was just, like, fantastic. Um, and, it, and even in general, you can tell that he's he's trying to get in the lane more. He's trying to sort of break down the defense. Um, even when he's not really generating anything from it, you can see that it, it's really – he's he has a different approach this year, and I think that um, that's sort of spilling over into everyone. It, it, the one thing to watch is how he and uh, – he and Darius play together is, is kind of the wild card so far. Is um, I think I wouldn't be surprised to see Mariel start in three pretty much the rest of the year. I think that uh, it, it's yeah. more natural seeing Darius come off the bench now. Um, it seems yeah. to just work a little bit better. But just overall, what we've seen from the backcourt, I just it's really great that uh, other than Brogdon, obviously that'll be a big loss, but these guys are going to be around for a while, and uh, they're really talented. They play well together. They're fun to watch, um, and I mean, obviously, competition wasn't great in Charleston, but man, we were fun to watch. <laughs> yep, Charlie. Uh, I'd like to see. I mean, I've been happy with everything he's done so far, but I'd like to see a little bit of a greater emergence out of AG. 
and a, perhaps a greater yeah, emphasis. Yeah, no, that's him. a good point. Um, I mean, he's got I, he obviously goes to the line more. He's been a monster at drawing fouls throughout his career here, and his free throw rate is right back in the sixties where it typically stays. But he's only got, I mean, if you just look at shot attempts, he's only taken two more shots than Toby this year in a great deal more minutes. And I feel like for a guy who is in the conversation for the best player on this team and among the best players in the country, I just like to see him out in space where he can use his advantage against slower guys. Like, I'd love to see him make a catch 10, 12 feet away, take two dribbles and get to the rim. And so a lot of the time I feel like we're kind of backing him down on the block where his only move is to spin into contact. I'd like to see him maybe catch the ball a little bit further away where you can use his athleticism to his advantage, maybe take some jumpers and just generally be more of a, more of a focal point than he already is. Cause I think like you touched on, I feel like our offense runs a little bit better when it goes through the bigs and the best big to run it through is AG. Yep, absolutely. I, I've got I've got Gill at twenty three of twenty nine from the free throw line at eighty or seventy nine percent. Yeah, so, that's what that's what Kimpom has. Yeah, so that's, that's a uh, I mean, his free throw like the rate the, the rate free throws he's taken per shot attempt. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. he's a, yeah. Yeah, him making his free throw that's been, that's in a big difference of his stroke. Is he is he he's not doing the weird uh, stance anymore. It's it's sideways, but it's not it's still, as it's it, not, it doesn't seem as like it's as, as pronounced. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a it's like a diagonal. He's at yeah. like two instead of three. <laughs> yeah, it's working. Whatever, just keep it up. Anything yeah. offensively, you're hoping to see them tighten up, phony. I know. I mean, I I I'm I'm with Charlie. I mean, I I'd like to see Anthony use more possessions, and you know, sometimes there, there's too many possessions where he doesn't even touch it, and sometimes when it goes in. I want him to keep it and, and get to the line more. I'm looking at his free throw rate. Is it really 63? Um, it is. That's, that's pretty good, right? <laughs> um, you know, he, he's he, he's someone that I don't think has reached his ceiling yet. And, uh, you know, the, with most of the guys on the team, I feel like, okay, they're, they're approaching that. But I, I feel like there's a lot more than Anthony Gill can do for this team. And a lot of it is just, you know, let him be a little more selfish. Like we were saying with Malcolm so much last year, you know, be more selfish. Look for your shot. I, I wouldn't mind Anthony using a few more possessions. Cause I, I think, uh, you know, when he uses them, he makes the most of them. Is it, his offensive rating is, is one thirty four. So that's, um, well, I mean, it's not, uh, it's, it's top five on the team, but it's, uh, he's, he he can do more for us than he is. I have been very pleased with our transition offense this year. I think uh, more often than not, well, more often than not, when we push it, we're making good decisions and we're pulling it out when we shouldn't be. But unlike last year, there's a lot more times when we're seeing it through and we're not missing many of those. So uh, that that's probably the best positive on our offense. Sounds good. Uh, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna harp on Malcolm a little bit. Uh, and you're thinking, how on earth could I do that with a guy that's, uh, you know, playing as well as he's playing? I think I think he's, uh, what's his percentage? He's shooting 47% overall, 34.5 from three. Uh, he's 14 of 20 from the free throw line, which is, is a little odd. Um, and, look, he's doing so many things right uh, and I'm just going to hold him to a little bit of a higher standard being a national player of the year candidate. And you guys know from being on our text message thread, that the thing that's, that gets me a little bit is, is, is shot selection. And, and, you know, basically to put a long story short, 
I want to see more games like like the one we just had, you know, the Mason game, um, in which, you know, I think he finished 10 of 13 from the field. I'm not saying I expect that every night, but to me it's very clear, and I tweet about it all the time, so you guys probably know what I'm about to say. It's just when Malcolm Brogdon gets a rhythm shot or takes a shot within the offense, uh, he's almost automatic uh, when he decides to take kind of, you know, look, I have no problem with Malcolm Brogdon putting his head down and getting into the rack, and I don't care if the ball gets swatted or or it doesn't work out. You know, with how good he is in the free throw line, how good he is at using his body, and how good of a finisher he is, I'll take that every day of the week, and I'll deal with it when it doesn't work out sometimes. What I don't like is when you just take a jump shot off the dribble, usually with someone someone giving you a little space, almost daring you to take it. And, and they're, they're doing that for a reason because the tape clearly shows that he cannot hit that shot at a consistent level. And I'll go a step further and say I, I think the reason is because when you're in that type of situation, even if you've ever played pickup basketball, uh, if, if you're going to come off the dribble and just pull a, a quick trigger, it's going to rush your shot whether you want it to or not. It's just especially in the heat of a game, uh, when you're just standing there dribbling the ball and you decide to take a shot, um, you're going to have a little bit of a quick trigger on it. And Malcolm is a guy that has an awkward ball flight. He shoots it flat as it is. And, you know, I think that's why you see so many of those shots hit the back rim on a line or a short front rim because he doesn't get his legs involved. He doesn't go through the full motion of his shot like he does when he catches and shoots. And I know I'm being a little critical here, uh, but I'm just saying, you know, I think for him to get to the next level, if there is that level, and I believe there is, he's got to be a little bit more consistent with that jump shot. That means taking a little bit smarter shots. There, there were a few times in Charleston where it felt like to me, we just did three or four times down the court, we got a great quality look, whether it was Gill or Toby or uh, Shayok jump shot or, or whatever it was. It was a wide open rhythm shot. And then Malcolm would decided to just kind of jack one off the dribble and best player best player or not you know i'm gonna have a problem with that i I think he needs to just tighten the screws on it a little bit the way he played against george mason i think that dude could shoot ridiculous numbers if he continues to to have that level of shot selection and sorry i talk so much you guys run with it we should almost we should be harder on malcolm than anybody else because we know what he's capable of. He's the best player. It's like the Popovich-Duncan relationship through the years. Yeah, I mean, am I, uh, Daniel, am I totally off my rocker here? Man, feel free to call me out. No, not at all. I mean, uh, I like, one thing, I, I, I do like Malcolm's aggression. I, I think it's it's a good thing. Um, I think we need to have a guy like that. And I, I know that uh, Tony mentioned that Malcolm said that he sort of is embracing this role of when the team's struggling a little bit offensively, sort of he's he's the guy that's going to take over, and he understands that, and I like that. But um, the thing with him is that a lot of those shots, especially in Charleston, were, were sort of pull-up really long twos or like pull-up threes that he really has no business shooting. He can get he can get a pull-up elbow jumper whenever he wants, and that's a pretty good shot for him. Um, yep. He just needs to make sure to, to be smart about it. Uh, that's... His range only really extends so far with that little pull-up shot when he wants to be aggressive. And for some reason in Charleston, he was just pulling up from everywhere. Um, I think against Lehigh and against Mason, he really he really seemed to find those those spaces where he's 
I mean, you can tell when he's shooting it. Um, like before, basically before he's even released, he was like, "Okay, that's that's a good shot for Malcolm. It's probably going to go in." Um, that's what the Lehigh game, especially. I really liked his shot selection in that game, um, especially the threes he chose to take were ones that were in rhythm. They were ones that I felt very comfortable with him taking. They didn't seem forced at all. Um, but again, he is the guy that, that that can be the catalyst for our offense. So. When we are struggling a bit, I, I I am okay with him him pushing it a little bit, maybe forcing the issue. But if you're gonna force, if you're gonna try and force something, make sure it's. I'm I'm definitely okay with him just driving into his guy, one dribble pull up from the elbow, but don't do it from from five feet back from that. <laughs> yeah, and I I would take that shot, you know, all day long, you know, uh, a pull up from the elbow from Brogdon or, or anything going to the basket. I, I guess I mean it's the. It's the 18 and beyond. Um, yeah, it's, it's those 20 feet, 6-inch shots that get me. Yeah, well, you're not even really have a lot of, you know, you're not coming off of any type of motion within the offense, and you're just kind of saying, okay, there's enough space uh, between the, me and the guy in front of me to squeeze this off real quick, and he just doesn't, you know, I just don't think he has the shot for that type of basketball, but, um, you know. Well, nobody we'll practices jump shots with their heels on the three-point line. You're either yeah. outside of it or you're a couple feet in it. I think Toby might. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. So, uh, you know, we got a, a, a crazy stretch coming up here. Uh, let's just real quick wrap it up. We, we kind of went a little long with Titus, and I don't want to keep people uh, all night long. Um, what do you think uh, – what stands out to you about this next five-game stretch – which game are you most worried about? Which game are you most excited about? Um, and yeah, let's just go around and kind of get everybody's opinion. We'll start with you, Phony. Oh, uh, the uh, the one I'm most worried about is William and Mary for sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I I guess hey, Villanova, there, right? Is Villanova at the end of that uh, five game stretch? Is, are they the last one, or who do we have Cal. after? No, yeah, Cal on the twenty second. Okay, oh, yeah. Villanova on the nineteenth is probably. I mean, they're statistically the best team yeah, that, that we're going to be facing out of the next five. They worry me with some of the, the things they do. I think, um, you know, any of them are droppable for us at this point. And, and if we did, it wouldn't panic me. It would panic me if we dropped all of them, but uh, any single one, I don't think would be a big deal. But that to me is, is the one that I think is going to test this team the most. And, and maybe that also means that we get the most out of playing this team in the preseason, but uh, that, that's the one I've got circled. Pony, I mean, I'm sorry, uh, Charlie. Um, I mean, Villanova, for obvious reasons, will be entertaining. I mean, the battle of the heartthrob coaches, the contrasting styles, the, I mean. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned pack, the coaches first. Pack JPJ. I mean, all of that stuff, like, I'm obviously looking forward to it. But stylistically, I'm really interested to see how we do against a team that plays, like, a pressing up-tempo style in West Virginia. I'm interested to see how we guard I mean, with them bringing, they have a fairly deep group of bigs. They have some athletic guards. I, I don't just, see how their whole team hasn't fouled out for the year yet. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm just, I think that'll be an interesting contrast. And then at the same time, similarities with regards to athletic depth that yeah, I'm, I'm interested in seeing how we do. Daniel? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's my, that's, I've been waiting for this West Virginia game for a while. Um, I'll be I'll be there in attendance. I'm currently working my uh, work schedule around that to make sure I can 
be there on time and maybe hang out with some fellow who's beforehand. But that's that's going to be exciting. I mean, the Garden is just a really special place, and it's just such a great matchup. And then the, the game after, it's going to be incredible as well. Um, it's a good match. I, I, I watched uh, West Virginia against Richmond, and you talk about contrast of styles. I mean, they don't quite run the full-on Princeton offense that they did when Mooney was first there, but they still run some forms of it. They're definitely a slower team at Richmond, but um, I thought Richmond played pretty well. They're a good team. Uh, I think it was very it was it was a re, it was an encouraging sign to see Richmond really uh, hang with West Virginia the entire way. They probably I mean if a couple shots had gone down, they probably should have won that game. Um, so I mean. I think West Virginia is a good, very good team, but I, I liked uh, seeing how Richmond played them. And not to be—I know you were joking before, but William Mary is a really good team. I'm a little worried about that game. Yeah, they and are especially good. Especially sandwiched in there. I mean, uh, what's his name? Pruitt for William Mary can play. They're very well coached. They should have beaten a Dayton team that's a very, very good team in Dayton, which is a very tough place to play. Um, so yeah, I mean, a lot of people say. This stretch, it's like, oh, they'll mention, they'll mention Villanova, Cal, um, West Virginia, and Ohio State. But I don't know. I mean, <laughs> William Mary might be better than Ohio State. But <laughs> that, that'll be my first that. game of the year yeah. uh, that I've actually been able to go to. So, okay. So, so if you know me, come up and say hi. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's a fun stretch. Um, like I said in the last podcast, I'm I'm less concerned about results during non-conference play than. What happens the rest of the way? Obviously, I always want to win, but um, I like that this stretch. It, it really is almost like a tournament type feel. Um, getting some of these these matchups home, neutral away, I think we'll be very well tested. But I don't know. I think we're better than all these teams we play, including Villanova. I saw them. I watched one of their games last week, and they're they're very good. But I think we match up pretty well with them. And if we if we play well at home, I think we shouldn't have much issues there. But um, We'll probably, we'll, I mean, just given the stretch, we'll probably drop one, but it, it could honestly be any of them. Um, but it'll be fun. I mean, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, I think, I think Daniel, you're really going to enjoy that West Virginia game. I, I think that's going to be an interesting game. West Virginia is going to, going to press. Uh, they're going to be really physical against a team that, that kind of loves to be physical. Uh, you know, that game I think is going to be really interesting game. That's the one I'm most looking forward to watching. Um, I'm and, also really and- looking. I'm also really looking forward to uh, the second game and the fact that literally everyone else besides Maryland fans will be rooting strongly against Maryland, given that West Amen. Virginia West Virginia hates their guts, we hate their guts, and UConn's playing them, and there'll be a ton of UConn fans there. So that'll be pretty fun, too, just, just absolutely hating on Maryland in the Garden. That would be a great game to go to, man. You're going to have a great time. Uh the other games, man, I'm, I'm looking forward to all of them. I agree. I think William Mary's a tougher test than people think. I think we win against Villanova in California at home. Uh, I think the crowd so far, guys, hadn't brought this up yet, uh, I think have just been fantastic. I was, I was at the uh, um, season opener, which I thought, you know, for, for years. I've been going to the opening game for, hell, 15 years uh, and you know, it used to always bother me that the, the turnouts, no matter the uh, uh, the opponent, in my mind, it's always like, look, you're trying to set the tone and, and let these guys know that you've got their back. It's the first game of the year. You got to be excited that college basketball is back. How are people not in the seat? Well, win 30 games back to back, and you know, even against a, a low level opponent, 
you know, there was really strong crowds uh, for the last couple home games. Um, and I think that, that against California and Villanova, close to the holidays, uh, with, you know, the, the buzz that's going on in, in nationally ranked teams, I think those are going to be electric atmospheres. And I just don't think either one of those teams can beat us in JPJ. But um, time will tell. Anything else you guys wanted to touch on before we slide out of here this evening? No, nah, man, I, I think the ACC is going to win the challenge this year. I think this year we finally do it. I, I was looking at the individual matchups, and I, individually I pick them 7-7, seven and seven, but I, I give uh, the benefit of the, of the doubt to the ACC this year in, in picking up some ones that, that uh, maybe might otherwise be close. So I think we the crown finally returns. Charlie, you want to let people know where to find you? Um, you can find me on the at my blog, University Ball at universityball.org or on Twitter at University Ball. Daniel, any late drop of knowledge? No, I'm just, I mean, like I said before, it's, it's an exciting stretch we're about to go on. It's been a little little dull from the Charleston Classic onto the Lehigh game. It feels like uh, some people might have forgotten about us. I mean, there's always a chance that Feinstein literally forgot about us in his ranking. But, um, yeah, I mean, we're... <laughs> We're going to be on TV a bunch the next couple of weeks, and uh, hopefully we'll perform well because we're, uh, we can't really ignore us the next couple of weeks. So it, it'll be a fun stretch. Well, that was uh, a heck of a lot of content for you guys tonight. Uh, great stuff from Mark Titus. Uh, we really got some great information on Ohio State. Uh, we analyzed the rule changes. We talked to Mark about um, Virginia's chances the rest of the season and then our esteemed panel came on and we kind of broke down exactly where we feel the team is uh, a lot of good stuff and it's just gotten me really pumped up for basketball uh, my thanks as always to the guys uh, at if tony tweeted my man phony bennett thanks a lot buddy as always charlie Sawwasser at university ball and then our buddy daniel o'neill at embrace pace uva thanks a lot everyone for joining us we'll see you next time on the hard hedge wahoo wah